Have you ever told a lie? Maybe even for what seemed like a justifiable reason? Telling the truth seems optional to many people these days, especially when it could hurt to be honest. Michael Swiger has a story like that. Let's get into it. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. <laughs> yes, and that includes sound effects. I'm Timothy Gregory, letting you know that no matter what lie may seem easier in the moment, it almost never pays off. While lies can trap you in one after the other, the truth lets your life be unshackled. The man in our story discovered that even a lie to seemingly protect someone can cost dearly, more than he was willing to pay. This act took him to a place he didn't want or expect and kept him longer than he wanted to stay. But he learned the truth that set him free when his heart and mind and life were unshackled. Let's get to it, folks. The classic true story of Michael Swiger on this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Hello? Mike, I'm in trouble. Can you come over? Oh, man. That's a two-hour drive, Ned. I've got a heavy day tonight. You don't get it, man. I'm close to dying. What's going on? My life is ruined. I gotta talk to somebody or I'll kill myself. All right. Uh, I'll be there as soon as I can. So, what's the emergency? Me and my roommate got arrested for burglary. You and Butch? Burglars? Yeah, we broke into frat houses, stole some stereos and stuff. Why? Never mind that. It's done. Well, that can help you get out of this. No, he can't. I'm afraid Butch is going to testify against me, say it was my doing. You talked to him? Not yet, but my girlfriend arranged a meeting tomorrow. Maybe I can bribe him not to testify. I want you to go with me. You stay here, Mike. Hey, Butch! Over here! What's up, man? So you think you're going to lay it on me, huh? You going to do something about it? Ned, stop it! That's not the way to do it! Stop! I showed him. Come on, let's go! Ned, you can't just leave him there. He could be hurt really bad. Come on, let's go, I said. Don't you tell anyone about this, you hear? The truth will come out, they say. And the man in our story would learn that lesson the hard way. He was a junior in college when he had to choose between turning in his brother and turning off his conscience. This is the story of how he chose and where it led. It's the true testimony of Michael Swiger, right now on Unshackled. Until I was 17, I led a charmed life. Went to parochial schools, achieved honor academically, captain of the football and track teams in high school, elected president of the class, and chosen as a prom prince for homecoming. I seemed to have everything I wanted. Then, senior year, in the fifth game of the season, I tore the ligaments and cartilage in my knee and needed reconstructive surgery. I was despondent the day my brother Ned came to see me. Hey, man. 
You still malingering? I am so sick of being laid up. How many more times are they gonna cut on you? Till they get it right, I guess. You won't be playing football again. One of the top running backs in the state. Yeah. I was recruited by schools around the country, but all that's over now. All my dreams gone up in smoke. You did pretty good for your size, Mike. Yes, <laughs> some consolation that is. Why did this happen to me? I missed three quarters of my senior year, but graduated in 1986 and started college at Case Western Reserve in the fall. I was unprepared academically and emotionally. Mine is an Italian family with lots of relatives and commotion. I went home for fall break and nobody was around. My parents, nor my three brothers or grandmothers. I called my uncle to see if they were there. Mike, your mother's in the hospital. The hospital? Why? Well, she had to have a kidney removed. She... she has cancer. How come nobody told me? Well, they didn't want you to be upset before you had to take your midterm exams. <laughs> That's lousy. Why is all of this happening to us? Mother survived, but all that I had heard about God throughout my life didn't. My belief in God was mortally wounded. Another knee operation that summer didn't help. Sophomore year brought more blows. My grandmother died just before Thanksgiving, and I began drinking heavily with my fraternity brothers. In the spring, my other grandmother also died. I was holding her hands when it happened. I felt like God hated me, so I hated him back. Being on the debate team, I argued with anybody who professed to be Christian. In that kind of spiritual rebellion, I went with my brother the day he fought with his roommate and left him lying there. We fled the scene, and later I learned that the guy died. It all seemed like a nightmare. I was devastated, but I couldn't talk with anyone about it, not even my brother. Within a week, the police questioned me. Where were you on June 17th? I was at work. Any idea what your brother was doing on that day? <laughs> I have no idea what my brother was doing. Why don't you ask him? You didn't know that he and his roommate were arrested for burglary? Uh, we don't talk much. I find that hard to believe. Well, believe it. You're talking to the wrong person. It wasn't easy to lie. My guilty conscience screamed at me to turn him in. Another voice, just as persuasive, argued, how could you do that to your own brother? After six months, things quieted down and I tried to find a way to return to a normal life. I met a special girl named Susan and we started dating. We were engaged in May and we began making plans for the future. I thought the police investigation was over and I'd never be questioned by them again. How soon can we have the wedding? How about December? <laughs> Think it'll take that long to persuade your parents? <laughs> It's not a problem, Mike. They like you. <laughs> they don't know any better. Stop that. Let's get married sooner. Afraid I'll find out what a rogue you are? How'd you guess? <laughs> what church should we be married in? Ah, oh, pity it has to be in church. God and I don't have much in common, Susan. I started working as a co-op engineer flying around the country. In October, I came home and a police car followed me into the driveway. I walked back to find out what he wanted, and he flung open his door and pumped a shotgun against my forehead, yelling, Freeze! Police swarmed from everywhere, from behind trees, neighboring houses. More than 20 came to arrest me, while only one went to arrest my brother, though he's a bigger man. They had confused us in the paperwork. They took me to city jail. 
All right, you got 30 seconds to make the decision of your life. You can be a witness or you can be a defendant. Choose right now because your brother already confessed. So you might as well save yourself and cooperate with us. I don't know what you're talking about. My brother had never confessed to anything in his life, so I knew they were lying. He was in law school, and our father was a four-term county commissioner. Knowing the media frenzy would hurt Susan's family and mine, I prayed, Oh, God, let me die of a heart attack. But again, he failed me. In the county jail in Pennsylvania, they announced a Bible study, and I went just to get out of my cell. The preacher taught about Jesus meeting the woman at the well, but my thoughts were elsewhere. The following week in the Ohio County Jail, I went to a Bible study just because they promised to give us a candy bar. That man also talked about the woman at the well. This time, the message got my attention. Jesus knew all about that woman, and he knows all about you, too. You can't hide the truth from Jesus. He's Emmanuel, God with us. The Bible tells us in Psalm 139 that he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. God knows the pain and disappointments you've experienced in life. He also knows your every nasty thought, every vile deed. Even so, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, volunteered to go to the cross and pay the penalty of death and hell for your sins. You may think you're innocent, or you may want to convince others that you're innocent, but you're a guilty sinner. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that we're all sinners, for there is none righteous, no, not one. And then in chapter 6, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you die without repenting of your sins and asking God to save you, you'll spend eternity in hell. But Jesus, the righteous and only begotten Son of God, came to pay that penalty for you. He gave his life on the cross for the woman at the well, and for you, and for me, because there was no other way for us to be saved from hell. I was so mad listening to him call me a sinner that I went back to my cell, got out the Bible I had never opened, and looked in the index for woman at the well. Nothing. I knew enough about the Bible to know that Jesus was in the New Testament, so I started reading Matthew. By the time I got to John chapter 4 and the woman at the well, God's word had exposed and convicted my wicked heart of darkness. The next week, sorely convicted, I went back to the Bible study. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's God's judgment poured out on Jesus Christ to pay for our sins, but it's also God's grace. He offers us forgiveness and eternal life through his Son. Guys, all you have to do is repent and ask God to save you. Now, perhaps some of you men shouldn't even be here. But if you're wearing an orange jumpsuit, your life's a mess. And apart from Jesus Christ, you cannot ever get your life together. God has given you that opportunity right now. Come up here and receive God's grace through faith in his son. The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. 
and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I didn't go forward, but later that day, I got down on my knees in my cell. God, I've made a disaster of my life. I've done terrible sins. I, I'm so sorry for rejecting you and some of the awful things I've thought and said. Please forgive me, God. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for me, and I believe he rose from the dead. I deserve to go to hell, but I give my life to you to use as you see fit. Please save me, Jesus. Please save me, Lord, in Jesus' name. In that moment, I felt as if 10,000 pounds had been lifted off my back. That was November 1989, less than three weeks after my arrest. But it was seven months until my trial date, and I still faced the death penalty. Folks, we'll get back to Michael's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org. Org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, unshackled. We take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to the classic story of Michael Swiger. Hello, Michael. Oh, man, it's great to see you, Susan. How are you doing? Well, a lot better than a couple weeks ago. Looks like we'll have to postpone the wedding until next year. Postpone? Uh, are you sure you don't want to cancel it? I love you, Mike. Don't ever forget that. Susan, I I'm facing charges of aggravated murder. Maybe the death penalty. You didn't do it. No, I, I didn't, but I didn't tell them what I knew. And I was wrong to do that. I asked God to forgive me and save me. He's made such a difference in how I think and feel about life already. That doesn't sound like you, Mike. Yeah, well, I gave my life to Christ, and I've been reading the Bible. You need him too, Susan. But I haven't done anything wrong. Honey, we're all sinners. We all need Jesus to save us. I'll send you some booklets I got from the chapel here. They explain it better than I can. A volunteer who worked at the jail brought me books and answered my questions. Pouring himself into me, he encouraged me to read the Bible, but I also read other religious books. 
I didn't have enough discernment to know biblical errors when I read them, and I was deceived by some of the teachings. I was convinced by this philosophy that I would go free. I didn't see the hubris, the sin of telling God what to do. The day of my sentencing came, and so did John, the volunteer. Pray with me that I'll go home today. I won't pray that way with you, Mike. I will pray that God will give you the grace and patience to accept the verdict of the court system. No matter what happens, the Lord is always with you. The judge found me not guilty of the more serious charges, and I thought my new philosophy was working. My faith in my faith. Then she found me guilty of involuntary manslaughter and other charges and sentenced me to 21 years in prison. Talk about shock. The day before I left for prison, John came to see me. You may not believe this, Mike, but God has a plan for your life. <sighs> you think? Yeah, and it involves going to the penitentiary. What you need to do when you get there is find out how he wants to use you, and then do it. Then, and only then, will you have God's peace. I prayed for God's protection and put on a mean face when I got to my prison cell, already occupied by a man so big he didn't fit into a jumpsuit. I climbed into my top bunk and read the Bible for hours, afraid of offending him. Suddenly he stood up, looked down at me, and said I was the friendliest looking guy he'd ever seen. So much for looking mean. Four months later, I joined my first Bible study, a small group taught by another volunteer from outside, Bill. We're going to study the whole counsel of God, men, precept upon precept, line upon line. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's the only way to live each day so that you can resist temptation and the fiery darts of the devil. That's the only way to glorify God. Jesus himself, when he was tempted by the devil, quoted scripture. And if you do the same, you'll strengthen your own heart, teach others, and live in a way that pleases God. So memorize his word, meditate upon it, and you'll do well. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That's the first verse we're going to learn. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Bill faithfully taught us how to study God's word week after week, illuminating the path of life. I learned to abandon the world's way of seeing everything in shades of gray, embracing instead God's eternal absolutes. Eighteen months after my conversion, Susan professed faith in Christ. She came to visit me every Saturday. And so what did you learn from reading Psalms? Mm. Uh, that God is good, and he wants us to be good stewards of what he's given us, and what he's given me is a lot of time. Oh, at least you still have your sense of humor. Yeah, you need it here. So how do you spend that time? Mostly in Bible study, but I'm also working for the warden. Oh, well, that must be interesting. It's a double-edged sword. He has power, but cons don't like guys who work around the warden. You know what I learned, Susan? What? I can apply for shock probation after I serve three years. 
1993. Oh, that would be wonderful. We can be married and get on with our life. If we can ever get your father's blessing. That's important, honey. I applied for shock probation and the judge approved the first step, so I sent all my stuff home. I promised God I would go into prison ministry and be the best one ever. But the day before I was supposed to go home, the judge changed her mind and denied the motion. Shattered, I sat on my bunk and read my daily devotion. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. I just wanted to go home, but God helped me accept the disappointment. And so did a pastor named Gary from a prison ministry who came in once a month to preach a service. Look, has life slapped you upside the head? One disappointment, one blow after another? This is God getting your attention, man. He wants you to quit scamming and trying to tap dance your way around bad decisions. You cats know there's evil in the world. You're part of it. And so was I. So I know. I spent six years in the clink. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the answer. Listen, you've tried your plan. And it don't work. Now try God's plan. He's the only one who can help you. The only one who knows where you're at. The world says you're busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted. But Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Look, you guys have served the devil most of your life. Now get out there and serve the living God. Win this joint for Jesus Christ. Are you doing okay? Yeah. I was pretty bummed out at first. Me too. I quit my job in the warden's office and took one in the chapel. Doing what? Janitor. Janitor. It was the only job available. Cleaning toilets, mopping floors. I can listen to Christian radio while I work. What made you quit your job in the warden's office? Well, God reminded me that I've been saying I want to go into prison ministry, so here I am, starting at the bottom. You have a good attitude, Mike. God's helping me change. Yeah. The Lord has helped me get over the disappointment, too. I've written to a radio ministry that gives financial advice. I asked if I could take their course, free. I need all the education I can get, so I'm ready when I get out. After I completed the course, the chaplain asked me to share what I'd learned with other men, teaching a 12-week course. He supervised and decided I had a gift for teaching. So then he asked me to teach a new believers class. That's when I discovered that some men couldn't even read. So I taught a literacy course. God was using me in many ways. 1997 came and I graduated from Ohio University and applied to go to seminary. I also had an appeal pending. What's the good news, Mike? Oh, it's been quite a week, Bill. Got a letter from my lawyer on Monday saying I lost the appeal. Oh, I'm sorry, brother. Tuesday, I got a letter from the seminary saying I was accepted. All right. <laughs> Wednesday, I got a letter saying I have a full scholarship. Praise the Lord God has a plan. Amen. I had prayed that if he wanted me to go to seminary, he'd have to deny the appeal. Because if I'd gotten out, I would have gotten married, gotten a job, and that would have been the end of seminary. The Lord clearly has work for you to do here and when you get out, Mike. 
Through the prison ministry, the Lord gave me a faithful pen pal who wrote me twice a month for 13 years. I finished seminary and wrote a story for a Christian magazine, but it wasn't published. However, the experience was wonderful. Year after year, Susan faithfully visited me every Saturday. Finally, I finished my time in Ohio, but had to serve a one-year sentence in Pennsylvania, a three-hour drive for Susan. I'm the only visitor. The guard said the weather is horrible. It is. Blowing snow, driving is really treacherous. But you came anyway. How did I ever deserve a woman like you? God's grace. (laughs) I don't deserve it, but I'm glad you came. Me too, honey. If only we knew ahead of time how much our sin affects other people. Look how you've been affected. Coming to see me year after year, putting our marriage on hold, putting your life on hold. Somehow God will use all of this for his glory. Still, 16 years behind bars. I've paid a heavy price for keeping my mouth shut. The cost of sin is so high. Your brother's price is higher. Life in prison without the possibility of parole. And his friend paid the highest price. He died. No matter what has happened to us, his death is more than any terrible thing in this life. I have to give the rest of my life to help others see the effects of sin, how devastating it is. Well, one more month and you'll be coming home and we can be married. After the world's longest engagement. (laughs) (laughs) Let's pray that your parents will give us their blessing. When I was freed, Susan's parents invited me to dinner that first weekend. I expected an unpleasant conversation, but no one confronted me. Finally, I asked her father if we could talk, so we went for a drive in his pickup. I know I'm not your first choice for Susan. I'm not the person you'd love to have marry her, obviously, because I've done some horrible things. This is the way I see it, Mike. You made some horrible mistakes, but you paid for it like a man. Now that's in the past. From this day on, you're part of the family. I have an engagement ring that I never gave Susan because I wanted to have your blessing first. You got it. We planned our wedding for July. In April, I went for a job interview with the Christian ministry to whom I had sent a story from prison. And as I sat waiting for the interview, flipping nervously through their magazine, I saw my story. So I put the magazine in my briefcase to go into the interview. Later, I called Susan. So, then what happened? Well, the lady went through my resume and said, what's this writing thing? Do you have any samples of your writing? So I handed her their magazine. Oh, that's wonderful, Mike. And you got the job. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Talk about God's providence. Oh, thank you, Lord. So, what are you going to do about prison ministry? Absolutely nothing. If God wants me to go into that, he'll open the door in front of me and... I'll walk in. A week later, I met the man who had written to me so faithfully for 13 years. We went to his church and he invited me to a cookout at his house. Gary, the preacher from prison, was there. Would you consider getting involved in prison ministry in some capacity? Oh, wow. I mean, we've been talking to the pastor and the board has been praying about you for several months now. Would you consider the possibility? Let me talk with Susan and we'll pray about it. After our wedding, Susan and I were interviewed by the board. 
That fall, they officially invited me to come on staff as a prison chaplain. Ours is the largest prison ministry in Ohio, visiting every major correctional facility, 35 in all. Recently, our first baby was born. God has been so good to us. My favorite scripture is Psalm 119, verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Listening friend, if you would like to know the Savior, to have his power and love at work in you, pray with us. There are no special words, because God looks on the heart. Dear Father God, I know that I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. I surrender my life to you to use me as you see fit. I ask you to come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Direct my steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us know that you are now a child of God and we'll send you some helpful literature. The address, Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast, and don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. A winner of the sweepstakes for the beautiful scripture plaque will be announced on our social media and an upcoming podcast. And keep an eye out for the following sweepstakes drawing, which will begin in the next couple weeks. This will be your opportunity again to enter and potentially win one of these beautiful reminders of God's Word. And next time... I'm scared. You've got to help me. What is it now, Kathy? I'm afraid I'll do something bad and end up in jail. That's ridiculous. No, it isn't. The thoughts will not leave. The woman in our story was married with four children when this crisis erupted. Kathy, you need to calm down. Enjoy time with our son. This thing will pass. She had weathered many crises before, but none like this. You don't get it. I'm desperate. She couldn't break free of depression or her dependence on meds. Clinical depression is a chemical imbalance. We'll put you on a stronger dose. Until she learned to trust in the true physician. I'm not sure of anything. I'm just miserable all the time. Oh, Kathy, the Lord can change that if you let him. Don't miss Kathy Wellen's timely story. Another true dramatization coming soon on Unshackled. Heard in the true story of Michael Swiger were Ed DiZallo, Allison Voller, Kurt Nabig, Chuck McLennan, Demetrius Troy, and Dave Kappas. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. 
Sound assistant, Martin Robinson. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Script, Kenitha Gabler. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. <laughs>